Hello and welcome to the Chase Family Church podcast. This week we have the first part in a three-part series by Ken Swan on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We found this teaching to be absolutely phenomenal. We really hope you enjoy it and benefit from it. Praise God. If there's ever a time when we needed the power of God, it's now. In this day and age. And fortunately for us, God didn't leave us on our own. He sent the Holy Spirit. On Thursday, next Friday rather, we'll, um, we'll be breaking bread in the morning when we have a service. A lot of people are away, but if you can come, come. We'll just spend some time thinking about what happened at that time for Jesus. Of course, it happened back there. It's not happening now. It's, uh, it's finished. Jesus has accomplished it, hasn't it? Amen. But we can remember and be grateful for all that God did for us. So we'll break bread next, uh, next Friday. <coughs> and uh, they're leaving me to run things over Easter so we can do anything <laughs> while they're away. Okay. I want to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. I could have talked about um, the fact that it's Palm Sunday, etc., but I feel that it's very important that we, you know, we're a charismatic church. That means that we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. There are people who don't believe in the, the gifts. Well, they believe they existed, but believe they don't, they're not for today. But quite frankly, anyone who says they don't need the power of the Holy Spirit in fullness, I, I'm amazed at them, really. So I want to spend some time going through these and this will run over into more than one message so um, we should be finished by Christmas. (laughs) But I'd like you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 please. So I want to talk a little bit about background of the, the gifts of the Spirit, where we find them, what they're all about. My first question is this, what are the gifts of the Spirit. Well, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8, it talks about this. You know, I'll just read it. To each one grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, that's Jesus, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So what are the gifts of the Spirit? Well, the word gift means charisma. You know, you've heard about people have charisma, they're gifted people. But it's a biblical word, and it means a gift of grace. The gifts of the Spirit are gifts of grace. And here's one of my definitions. It's a free manifestation, we'll come back to that, of the Holy Spirit working in and through you but going beyond a believer's natural abilities. In other words, they're supernatural, not just natural. In other words, uh, God will bless, for instance, your musical abilities, but they're not gifts of the Spirit. These are something separate. They're supernatural gifts that God gives. Why do we have them? In chapter 4, again, we're going to read, Verses 12 and 13. Uh, 
are butting in the middle. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Why do we have the gifts of the Spirit? To equip the church in its task of declaring Christ. All right? Who can receive them? Verse 7, that same chapter. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. To each one. Now, who does not fit into that category? Hands up if you're not one of the each ones. If you're not, it means that God can use you in these areas and would like to use you in these areas. Okay? No one's left out. You can't say, I'm not spiritual enough. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say it's all down to you. It says it's all down to grace according to the measure of Christ's gift to us. So if the Lord wants to give you a gift, don't say, I'm not worthy, Lord, because God has chosen you to do it. All right? It's a false humility. So what are they? We've explained that they're gifts of grace. Who, um, why do we have them? For the church, declaring its uh, ministry of Christ. Who can receive them? To each one, grace was given. Now I'd like you to go into 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because this is where we, we learn about these. And I'm going to run through just a few of these verses as we go. So let's start from verse 1. You got your Bibles ready? Or your electrical, electronic gizmos? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. So you shouldn't be ignorant of these things. That's what it says in the authorised version. I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. So you should know about these things. We should teach about these things. We should understand about these things. So I don't want you to be unaware. Now listen to this. You know that when you were pagans, did you know you were a pagan before you became a Christian? You know that when we were pagans, we were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. You see, everyone is led by something, especially unbelievers, Unbelievers are led by the devil. <coughs> we were led against our free will. That's what happened. I'm going to read you in Ephesians. You don't need to turn to it, but I'm going to read you Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 1 says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. All right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Which bit of you was dead? I mean... The spirit, that's right. My body may be alive, but before I knew Christ, I was dead in my trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked, and this described me, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. That described me exactly. I was doing what I wanted to do, going where I wanted to go, not realising I was being manipulated by the devil, into certain things, that's what happened. And apparently you're the same. Sorry, but that's the situation. 
we were called the sons of disobedience. And that's true. As far as God was concerned, I was much more disobedient than obedient. I had no reason to be obedient to God. I just did what I wanted to do. So Paul's right. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh. This is strong stuff. Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. By nature, we were like that. That's why God's got to change our nature. Something's got to transact in us that changes us from wanting to do our will to do God's will, to go his way, not my way. So there's radical things to be done in us. Radical things. When I read that, it, it shocks me in a way, but it describes me, but I love the next verse the first two words but God that's the difference but God being rich in mercy God transformed us so we were all led now I'm back in Corinthians again in that second verse you know that you when you were pagans you were led astray to mute idols however you were led so we had various ways therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We're not to be led along by supernatural claims that are against the known revelation of God. You see, the people that are scared of the gifts of the Spirit and say, well, they're not for today, generally they would say they're not for today because we now we have the Bible, we have the New Testament, and uh, we didn't have that then. Now we've got it, we've got the Word of God, we don't need these other gifts. Well, quite frankly, we need them as much as we've ever needed them, as far as I can see. We need them. But the gifts of the Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. So we don't have to worry. If that happens, then we say, hold on, there's a, there's a problem here. God is not the author of confusion. I have to say that some things that uh, man thinks might confuse God, God doesn't seem to get confused about. Uh, I remember reading several years ago, a book about a missionary who was caught behind the, uh, the lines of when the communists took over China. And he was in a, in a meeting uh, where all the Chinese Christians were praying their hearts out, all at the same time. And he raised the question, how can, how can this not be confusing? And the Chinese uh, leader said to him, is God confused? Is God confused hearing all our prayers at once? No, he's not. He's not. So, you know, what we call confusion is not the same that God calls confusion. But God's not the author of confusion. And he points out here, look, it's only the Holy Spirit that can really announce the lordship of Jesus. It doesn't mean someone can't use these words, but meaning from the heart, it can only come when God has got hold of you and transformed you. Now, Verses 4, 5 and 6. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one, to who? 
Are you included in that, each one? To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay, you got that? So there's a variety of gifts. So we don't all have the same thing. There's a variety of ministries. Same thing that God chooses. There's something called effects that we'll look at a bit later. But only one Spirit, only one Lord, only one God. Now take note of this, will you? This is very important. A gift, which we're going to look at, is given to you to give to someone else. So God gives you a package tied up in a bow, but it's not yours. It's for someone else. God gives it to you to give away to someone else. All right? That's one of the marks of the gift of the Spirit. A ministry is when God gives a man or a woman to the church because they minister in a certain way on a regular basis and God has chosen them to have a ministry. And we've looked at some of those ministries. Uh, we can look again a bit later. But have you got that? that? A gift is given to you to give away. So you can't say, oh good, I've got one of the gifts of the Spirit and put it on the shelf. That's for me. That's not for you at all. It's for you to give away. But if God gets hold of you and uses you in a particular way, that's when there's a, you have a ministry. And that's the difference. Now verse 7 says this, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now the manif if um, I was involved in shipping stuff around the world at one stage and sometimes you get a boat and they have a manifest. And the manifest shows what's actually on the boat, on the ship. It's a ship's manifest. Something that's manifest is seen. It's plain. So when people say about the Holy Spirit working, it's the manifestation, it's what's seen of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. So it has to be seen. So you can't sit there and say, well, I, I have the... Um, the gift of such and such. No, no, no. The Spirit wants to manifest that. He wants to bring it out. He wants it to be seen. So it's public. Okay? So the manifestation of the Spirit, and each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, to bless everyone. Now we start hitting what the gifts actually are. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And to another, the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing uh, the one spirit, by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. The Spirit gives these things as he wills. All right? But you've got to be open. You've got to be open to God to give you these things. Now, these things should be working. <coughs> they should be working in our lives um, because... They're the working tools 
of the, the Christian in living in this world. You may say to me, I don't need any of these things. I can only say to you, I do. And I think if it's there in the word of God, and we'll see some examples of how these things are used, we start to understand how God is working by manifesting things by the Spirit to things. Now, I've grouped these. There's nine gifts, and I've grouped them into three groups. And I've called the first one the gifts of revelation. Okay? And the gifts of revelation are the word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The second group I've called the gifts of power. And they're faith, gifts of healing, miracles. And the third group I've called the gifts of utterance, in other words, vocal gifts. That's prophecy, that's tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now there's nine gifts. Can you go back? Yes. Could we go back? Is that possible? Can we go into reverse? How's that? Got that? We've blown the system. Okay. Nine gifts, and although I've separated them out here, in practice they often overlap. And we're going to look very briefly at each one individually for a bit of clarity to find out what they are. Now, I, I'd be very surprised if you haven't come across these things. But the first one we're going to look at is the word of wisdom. And here's another one of my uh, sayings. A word of wisdom is being wise as God is wise. All right? Being wise as God is wise. And to me, there's two ways that God does this. It's God giving you wisdom relating to a given situation that you're in. You're talking to someone, you need wisdom. We'll see these things as we go through them. But you need wisdom, and it's supernatural wisdom. And it drops into your head. You see, where did that come from? It's a gift of the Spirit. It's one of those things. So it's, first of all, God giving you wisdom relating to a given situation. The second one, I think, is God supernaturally allowing you to see the overall wis wisdom of God in a situation. Sometimes uh, you, you can be faced with a situation where you need to know overall what's happening. Or God gives you a vision of, this is what's happening. I've had people who have sat down with me and said, look, I've come to talk about, I can't get on with my granny. This, all right? I can't get on with my, what's your name? Little Red Riding Hood. I see, okay. <laughs> what big teeth you have, granny. Um, but here we have, I can't get on with, and suddenly you know that it's, that is just the tip of the iceberg. There's something underneath that is much more important. And God gives you an overall view of the whole situation. That's one of the ways, and I, I want to look in John chapter 8, please. And it's the story of the woman caught in adultery. John chapter 8. Okay, you know what's happened. 
Jesus is sitting down with the scribes and the Pharisees. And in verse 3, he's in the temple, by the way. In verse 3, it says, The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. Having, having set her in the centre of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. And when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone. And the woman, where she was, in the centre of the court, straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And she, Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Go from now, sin no more. Now, they're out to get him. It talks about him being in the court. So there's a chance that he could have been sitting uh, and they were all in judgment on him, as it were. And they brought this woman, poor woman, dragged into the situation. Now, she's an adulteress. They had no compassion for this at all. They brought her. But Jesus kneels down, doodles in the sand. There they are, wanting to find something to condemn him, and he's doodling with his finger in the sand. You can imagine the frustration. You know, we've got him on the law. The law says this. What do you say? Now, these Jews were already being hypocritical because the Romans didn't allow the Jews to put anyone to death. They had the right to do that, no one else. There's been much speculation about what Jesus did when he was doodling. Some people said he was writing, where's the man? Because I only brought the woman. Some say he was writing a scripture. Some say he was just drawing a stick man. Who knows? But he just doodled away in the sand. What was he doing? I think he was waiting for a word of wisdom. I think that's what he was doing. He was just waiting there for the word of wisdom. And then when it comes, and when the word of wisdom comes from God, this always happens, there's no answer. He who's without sin among you, let him be the first. You throw the first stone. Now that's a word of wisdom. I would have been racking my brains for a way out of it. Theological thought, take them on. You know, uh, split them down the middle and try and get the Pharisees against the Sadducees. That's what Paul used to do. But none of that. Jesus just doodled. And the word of wisdom came. And the word came, let him who's without sin among you, let him be the first one. There's no answer to the wisdom of God. I have to tell you, there's no answer when God speaks. And it broke open the situation. And Jesus dealt with the woman in com with compassion. Where are they? You know, he's still doodling there. They're getting up. I like the older ones went first. I like to think that us old ones recognise uh, our place to get, get out of the way of God's working. And they went out till there were none of them left. 
Jesus says, aye, aye, where's your condemners? Where's all your, these people? The word of wisdom made all the difference. Let's move on. Matthew 22, and I love this. Because you know the story well. It's the story of when in Matthew 22, they bring a question to Jesus. It says in verse 15, the Pharisees went and plotted how they might trap him in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him along with Herodians, that's another group, saying, teacher, we know that you're truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one, for you're not partial to any. Well, a lot of hypocrisy there. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their malice, said, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. You see, if Jesus said, no, we don't pay tax to the Romans, they would have contacted the Romans and said, this man is causing insurrection and doesn't want to pay taxes. So the Romans would have come down on him. But if Jesus says, yes, we should pay tax to the Romans, then they'll say, you're not a true Jew because you're collaborating with the Romans. There's no answer, except there's always an answer with God. And he says, give me a coin. So they gave him a coin. And he said, whose likeness is, an inscription is this? It's the word icon there, really. Whose icon, whose inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Then Jesus hits them with a word of wisdom. Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things to God that belong to God. What a word. I'd love to have bought that. I would have felt puffed up. But this is the wisdom of God, being wise as God is wise. And it breaks open the whole situation. So that's a, a word of wisdom. If you're in a desperate situation, don't talk, stop and listen. Because God might just want to drop a word of wisdom in. He just might want to do that. A word of knowledge. Well, a word of knowledge is knowing what God already knows. There's nothing very technical about it. It's knowing what God already knows. It's God telling you something you need to know about a situation or a person. John chapter 4 is all about the woman at the well. She's the biggest woman in the Bible, the woman of Samaria. Some area, right? But, you know, this is a very unique story because it, it carries on well after Jesus has left the place. But he goes, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. The Jews, when they walked, went through Samaria, when they got out of Samaria, they shook the dust off their feet, quite literally, and said, we don't want anything to do with the Samaritans. They hated one another. So Jesus, in his going through Samaria, sitting on the well at Sychar, um, and then talking to a Samaritan woman was completely out of bounds as far as the Jews were concerned. They were unclean. The origin of the Samaritans were they came from the, when the uh, Jews were all removed to Babylon. They, the Babylonians left behind the, the lowest of the low to live in the land. And they intermarried with the new people that came in. And so they were sort of like half-breeds. 
That's how they put it. And the Jews hated them. But <clears throat> God didn't. Isn't that wonderful? The people that we can hate, God loves. So we have to be very careful in these things. But Jesus talked to the woman of Samaria. It says in verse 7, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone away. The, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me a drink since I'm a Samaritan? She's flirting with him. For Jews have no dealing with Samaritan. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now the interesting thing is that Jesus, one, talked to a woman and two, taught her theology. Because he reveals himself to her completely who he, who he is. And he actually teaches her and puts her right on her theology. So we have this interchange going on where the woman says in verse 12, You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Wonderful words. The woman says, give me this water so I'll not thirst nor come all the way here to draw. And he says to her, and what is it? It's a word of knowledge. Go call your husband and come here. Go call your husband. The woman answered and said, um, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You've had five husbands and in fact the one you've got now is not your husband. It's a word of knowledge. And the woman said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Then, as people often do, when they're uncovered, as it were, by a word of knowledge, they go into theology. So she says, oh, by the way, we believe that the temple should be here and you believe the temple's there. Jesus corrects her with that, but doesn't let her off the hook, as it were. And in the end, the woman says, I know that the Messiah's coming. And Jesus said, I am he. <clears throat> in verse 26, I who speak to you am he. Jesus declared himself to a Samaritan woman before anyone else. But you see what happened. This woman is uncovered by this word of knowledge and God deals with her. And blesses her. And then what happens, she goes back to her village, says, I just met a man who told me everything about me. He knows everything. They all came out. They all listened to Jesus. They all received Jesus. And apparently it ends there. Jesus then goes off. But it doesn't end there because in Acts chapter 8, after the Holy Spirit has come at Pentecost and persecution comes, the church is thrust out and Philip who's one of the <coughs> disciples, said, where can I go? I know, I'll go to the Samaritans. And he goes to the Samaritans and the Samaritans in Acts 8 say, we know you and Jesus because he came here. And their hearts were all prepared. And miracles started to happen, healing started to happen, deliverances started to happen, and they started to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. You see, God uses these words and they go on. <coughs> In John chapter 1, 
is another one of these things that I love. In John chapter 1, you've got uh, John, Peter, all trying to find, follow Jesus, where he lives, and these sort of things. Verse 43 says, The next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now Nathanael, miserable sort of character, listen to him. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It was a saying in those days, but is there any good thing can come out? Philip said to him, come and see. So Nathaniel doesn't believe. They've found the Messiah as far as they're concerned, or they think they have. Nathaniel has none of it. <coughs> and Nathan Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there's no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Listen to this. Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, I don't know what that's about, and the Bible doesn't tell us, but it breaks open this man and this situation amazingly. Nathaniel answers him. This is the man who's just been saying, Can any good come out of Nazareth? Rabbi, you're the Son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you'll see greater things than these? It's a word of knowledge. We don't know what it's about. What was happening under the fig tree with Nathaniel, we don't know. Maybe you've been praying. Maybe you've been reading the scripture and saying, God, give me a revelation and understand. We, we just don't know. We could speculate endlessly. But it broke him in two from being, I don't trust you one inch. You're a con man. You've come from Nazareth. No Messiah comes out of Nazareth. They come from Bethlehem. So I don't... And then Jesus says one word. He says, you're God. You're the son of God. You're, you're the Lord. That's what happens sometimes in some situations. And it's wonderful to see it when God does it. And the funny thing is that you don't always know that you're doing it, but suddenly you're talking to someone, it drops into your mind, you say it, and you, you witness before your very eyes a total transformation. So, let's go on to the last one, which is discerning of spirits. Okay? God is a spirit. Angels are spirits. Devils are spirits. Man is a spirit, soul and body. You always get it around that way. Don't start with the body first. God starts with the spirit, soul and body. We're tripartite. And our spirit has come alive at new birth. We read that in Ephesians, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you come alive. So your spirit has come alive. All right? So this gift 
involves knowing a wrong spirit from the right one, namely the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> now, we all have a certain amount of discernment. Um, if you've ever sat next to someone or you've heard someone and you're just not, not happy inside, that's generally discernment. Don't think, well, I, I should, uh, should accept everyone. Sometimes, we, we haven't had it for a long, long time here, but we've had people, I've had people that I've had to stop mid-flow in the meeting here, strangers that have come in that feel they want to share with us, and they start, and in, in here, there's that discernment that says, this is wrong, this is wrong. Um, but there is, we all have that. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We could go back further to verse 10 and things like that, which builds up to it. But let's start from verse 14. A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. He can't understand them because they're spiritually appraised or discerned. But he who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no one. For who's known the mind of the Lord that he'll instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Because you have the mind of Christ working in you because the Holy Spirit is in you, you have a certain discernment that's already there. Okay? It's there already. So don't be surprised if you sometimes feel uncomfortable about a situation because generally that's the Lord's showing to you this is not all that it could be. So we all have discernment. But this gift of discernment of spirits goes beyond that. <clears throat> it's never men's spirit that you're talking about or natural intu intuition. It's always really for deliverance, not gossip. All right? And I'd like to give you just three quick examples of this. The first one's in Mark chapter 9. <clears throat> something where we've all been, Lord help me with my unbelief. The disciples can't cast out a demon and we're in verse 20, that sort of thing. They brought a boy to him. When he saw him immediately, the spirit threw him into a convulsion and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. That's how the first time I ever saw deliverance was when that happened. We prayed for someone, they fell on the floor, rolled around foaming at the mouth, shouting obscenities. And even we were, you know, thick as we were, realised this is demonic. <clears throat> Jesus says, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood, it's often thrown him in, into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us, help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the boy's father cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Have you ever been there? Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit. Now listen to this, saying, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and don't enter him again. He knew exactly what the spirit was. Now if you met someone down the road who's deaf and mute, it does not mean to say they have a spirit. Only when the Spirit says to you, 
what it's about. That's when you take action. All right? So you can't... You know, we used to have quite a contingent of deaf people here because we had some people that were signers and did things like that. And they would say to you, the trouble with some meetings is there's always someone who wants to come and pray for you, out, pray for you out of your deafness. <clears throat> so you can't sit in a meeting without thinking, aye, aye, here they come, they're all going to come and pray for me. Some of these people didn't want prayer because it was part of who they were. I don't understand it because I'm not deaf, but they, that's who they are. It's part of their personality, part of their life. Um, so I've, I've known that situation. But we've got to go by when the, what God says in the Spirit. And Jesus was saying here, you deaf and dumb spirit, come out. He knew exactly what it was. That's discerning of spirits. Okay? Acts chapter 13. Paul has gone to, or they've gone on their first missionary journey. And where do they go where the people are terrible and really need help? Cyprus. No, no more wicked than any of us. But in the first missionary journey starts in Acts 13 and <coughs> they found a magician. Well, that's a, first six, when they'd gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet, whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus. I like, love that name, Sergius Paulus. A man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul from the faith. Now, at this point, Paul could say, now look, you're wrong theologically and I'll show you why. But he didn't go down that road at all. He says, but Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, you who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you'll be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed. I bet he did. But really, he wasn't addressing the man. He was partially, because the man was par partially involved. He was addressing the spirit that was there. And he said, you're lying, you're trying to deceive this man, and this is what's going to happen. That's discerning of spirits. That's one of the things. <clears throat> and just go a couple of pages further in Acts 16. You have a very, very interesting situation. <clears throat> Paul has come. Verse 14, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabric, a worshipper of God, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Okay? <clears throat> this is Philippi, the birth of the church at Philippi. In verse 16, it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl, having a spirit of divination, met us, who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Let's just leave it there for a second. The, she had a spirit of divination. People 
mediums and people like this, often they have a spirit of divination. Some people are born psychic and they have an affinity with the spiritual things, but that's still not the way that they should go. I remember praying in a meeting well, in the early days of the church, there was just a, a dozen of us sitting there and someone said, I've been to a fortune teller. And I said, well, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't go to that. And someone else said, there's nothing wrong with them. Nothing wrong with them at all. Uh, my answer medium was that. And this went on for a while. So the first person said to me, would, would we pray for her that, or him, I can't remember now, to be free from any connection with this? So when we prayed for her, boy, was there a manifestation. And the man who said to me, they're all very good, there's nothing wrong with them at all, said, please pray for me. God did it. Spirits of divination, you get these things. The trouble with spirits of divination, uh, what happens next? She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned to the spirit. The spirit, did you know that? I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out of that very moment. Now, what was wrong with what she said? She was following, saying, these men are bondservants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. That's absolutely spot on. Nothing wrong with that. But what I want to say is this, that truth is not necessarily the judge in these things. You have to know in here that what's going on comes from God and not from some other source. I could take you and you can find out yourself, there are people who are called prophets in this country who are nothing to do with spiritual Christianity, but they are people who claim to be spiritual and sometimes they are deadly accurate about what happens in the world. But we don't take any notice. Why? Because it's only when God tells us. And I've discovered that sometimes when there's people that are psychic, they've come to someone and they've told them something that is true, but it's the wrong time and the wrong place and the wrong answer. And they need these people to get confused by it. But didn't, didn't she say the truth? Yes. Why did Paul get annoyed? Because it was the, the right word but coming from the wrong place and the wrong time. It was causing trouble. It was causing trouble for the crowds and everything as you read on you'll find out. So what does he do? He turns to the spirit in her and says, come out in Jesus' name. And what does every spirit have to do at the command of Jesus? Come out. It's not a matter for debate. They may want to debate it. And we haven't seen much of that here for a long time. But believe me, these things can debate. But we're not here for a debate. You have to, is what the work done. I'm not coming out. You have to. There's no choice. There's no choice. I walked into a room in a, fellow, in a fellowship that I was visiting. I walked into the room and the man came, crawled across the floor and reared up like a snake in front of me. Just like a snake. <coughs> Hissing away. They were having a deliverance session for this man. But I've never forgotten this. He just slithered like a snake. And he picked it up when he was in India in the, one of the temples that he was in. That was the temple of the snake. God delivered him. He always will. Why? Because 
Jesus is the Lord. He's the Lord of everything. Why do you think the devil's begged him, don't send us into hell? He's the Lord of everything. But we need a discernment to know what's going on in front of people. It's not always spirits that are causing people problems. Sometimes it is. I prayed for a lady and she shook and her teeth almost rattled. Everything was going. She was making all these manifestations. But in here I just thought, I don't know, there's something wrong. So I stopped her. And I prayed for her again. Off she went again. So I stopped her again and I said, why are you doing that? She said, that's what's supposed to happen, isn't it? She didn't need deliverance. But discerning of spirits is knowing when these things are done. Now, I've only dealt with three. I'm going to come back to the other ones later. But I hope you find that useful. But let me say one or two finishing things. The gifts of the Spirit are the working tools of the Christian. They're not held in a glass case, in emergency break glass. They're the working tools. And I'll be very, very surprised if you have not experienced some of that but didn't realise what it was. Now, we're not trying to make a big thing out of them, but I think you probably have had some of those things happen to you. So I would say, be aware of the gifts of the Spirit. God wants to give them. He wants to use them. Two, have the expectation that God will give them. And three, that means faith is required in these things. You know, faith is required in everything that's spiritual. So you have to step out in faith. All right? Are you going to be prepared to do that? Silence. Yeah, we're going to be prepared to do that. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that having that word, well, Lord, that just gives us the opportunity to say, Lord, use us and use these things, these gifts of the Spirit through us. Let the Spirit manifest himself through us for the good of the whole body and for the release of people, for the blessing of people, that the name of Jesus be glorified. Lord, help us in these things. We just want to ask that you'll speak to us today. And as we come on to the other gifts later, the vocal gifts, Lord, we want to use prophecy and tongues, interpretation, all these things. They're your way, Lord. They're your way. So speak to us in all these areas. We open our hearts to you now. Let the Spirit of God flood us, Lord. We just ask you, come, Holy Spirit, and flood us now. Meet with us, Lord. You know our needs. You know our hearts. You know our desire to see you glorified. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Just ask the Lord to come and speak to you about these things, to give you boldness to step out. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to be bold for you. Glory to your name. Thank you, Lord.